Hi, are you a gifted or twice exceptional adult who feels a bit stuck in your journey? Do you have goals and dreams which you would love to achieve, but you don't know where to start or feel a little bit overwhelmed? Or maybe you have a thousand ideas, 500 projects, and get distracted by your own thoughts and would love some support on focus and accountability? Whatever gets you stuck, I wholeheartedly believe that gifted and twice exceptional specific coaching will help you unleash your power so that you can be your most authentic gifted self. I recently embarked on my journey on becoming a gifted and twice exceptional coach. So if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, please reach out via email at hello at giftedunleashed.com or you can find more information about my coaching offers on the website giftedunleashed.com forward slash coaching. I would love working with you and I would love to get you unstuck. So please reach out and let's get started. Hello and welcome to Unleash Monday, where we talk about the brain, especially the gifted brain, and how does it affect our thinking and experience of the world differently. There are a lot of stereotypes and stigma around giftedness, and I'm here to challenge those. I'm here to raise awareness and to have a conversation around this topic of what does it mean to be a gifted adult. Common experience among gifted folks is that they feel out of place. They don't quite fit in. They are too sensitive, too intense, too emotional, too overexcitable, and too deep thinkers about the world and about themselves. If you have been called too much of about anything, then this show is for you. My name is Nadia. I'm too loud, too colorful, too bubbly, too bossy, and love to talk too much. So welcome to my world, and I'm so happy you are here. Hello and happy Monday. I'm so happy you're here and I hope you had an incredible weekend. And now that the new week has started, you're starting into full swing and I'm here to inspire you with a new story. So for all of you who don't know, April is Autism Acceptance Month. And even though it's now May, I'm also just learning and seeing what's going on in the sphere of neurodiversity as we go along this path. So during April, I saw a lot of people speaking up about autism and creating acceptance. So this has actually been a shift from Autism Awareness Month to Autism Acceptance Month. And there were so many beautiful conversations. And I just had to get a few of those amazing people onto this show. And Isabel Mosca, who's here today is one of them. So this week, I'm sharing the conversation I had with her and how she has been empowering families living with neurodivergent family members over the last 22 years. So she's been working in this field for quite some time, and she's going to share her journey and that of her family. And it's just so incredible to hear that, you know, you have different family members living with different brains. And this makes it really such a beautiful and colorful and enriching experience. So I don't want to say too much. I just hope you enjoy this conversation I had with Isabel. And let's just dive right in. Welcome, Isabel. So great to have you on the show today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Would you like to share your own story and how you got interested in the topic of neurodiversity and whatever you do that it is 
what you do now, and we're going to talk about this later on, but usually people in this sphere of neurodiversity, they have a personal story. Would you like to share a little bit? Absolutely. Little did I know that neurodiversity was surrounding me everywhere in my life, the neurodiverse universe, we'll call it. I love the fact that you are asking me that question because normally people ask me the question and it has to do with my son because my son was diagnosed with autism at about, he was evaluated at 18 months and by two years he was diagnosed with what they called back then from the, let's see, the DSM-4, it was probably the DSM-3 back then, would have, the diagnosis was pervasive development disorder, not otherwise specified. So it's kind of like a Chinese menu is what they call it, where you have a few from this row, column A, and a few from column B. But if you have enough from both columns, you end up with the diagnosis. The doctor told us that my son could do basic things like put together a puzzle, but he was not able to make eye contact. He was not able to say any words. He had speech and he lost it. So the diagnosis of PDDNOS ended up becoming autism. Back then, that's what they did. They didn't have the large umbrella of autism that they have now where it is very wide and it covers things from extremes of needing lots of support to needing little or no support. So little did I know that after my son was diagnosed, I started looking at the definition of autism and some of the patterns. I actually started a support group so that I could meet other parents who had kids on the autism spectrum. Little did I know, looking at the list and the ways of diagnosing autism that, wow, wait a minute, I do that. I do that. I do that. I do that. As a matter of fact, my brother does that. And my sister does that. And Hmm, this is really interesting. So what I would call it is autism soup, where you put the ladle into the pot and sometimes you get the noodles, sometimes you just get broth, sometimes you get everything. And that's the way I felt that my son was very blessed, we'll call it blessed, with everything. So we learned from there. So when my son was two years old, I was trying things like changing his diet putting supplements into his foods, in his drinks and different things so that I could help him neurologically. It did help for a while. And I did meet a doctor who was very into looking at the nutritional supplements and things. Unfortunately, he did say to me, probably by about age three, he's going to stop drinking these things or eating these things. And it did happen. So we had to come up with all of the other options for my son so that we could learn more about him and autism, not autism and him. So it became his autism that we were addressing. And I think that as he grew, he had tantrums, he had different things going on, sensory issues, major sensory issues, OCD about certain objects, about certain issues, repetitive behaviors, and still no speech. But when we put him on a gluten-free, casein-free diet at the time, he went from no words at all and no eye contact at all to 24 words in two weeks. So I thought I had it all figured out. Oh, I've cured autism. And that was 20 years ago. So I started the support group. 
And we sat down with other parents and different things. And I learned very quickly that I had not done anything of the kind. I had just managed one aspect of his behavior. So what I can say right now is I thought I knew everything. And right now, 19 years later, I know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just know my family. I seriously feel like we are learning every day. My son is now 22 years old. He is a blessing. I can hear him pounding around upstairs. He's very heavy footed. He's six foot three redhead. He is the kindest person I know. He has taught me everything I know about this half of my life. So every day when he looks at me and says, I have come, come here. I have to tell you something. I have to tell you something. And I come really close and he'll say, I love you. To me, that is the biggest blessing that I could ever have. So looking at my life in the world of autism and educating and supporting families over the last 19 years, we have added different things that have helped all of the families as far as programs and conferences and workshops to educate the educators about autism, to educate the families, the parents, the siblings, and now adult self-advocates. So I know a lot of adults who are neurodiverse and different levels of autism, different levels of ADHD, Down syndrome, you name it. And they are the coolest people I know. Absolutely. I would hang out with them. You give me a room full of people. I'm going to hang out with our guys any day of the week. I feel the same. And the more I learn about this topic, the more I realize somehow my tendency to surround myself with people that are neurodivergent. Is that what you say? Well, they do say neurodivergent, um, neurodiverse. I think that neurodiversity is a terminology that is emerging because of the fact that as people find their voices in the community who are thinking differently, different, not less, differently abled, they are choosing their own terminology. And it seems as though that is what is coming up because actually looking at person first thinking and saying that somebody is a person who is autistic or is a person with autism, there has been great debate about this. So coming into this 20 years after this all began, I'm listening, I'm learning, and I'm trying to find out what is the best approach so that even coming down to the fact that people are offended by the symbolism of autism being represented by a puzzle piece. And what is happening is that these adults who have a voice and are able to express their feelings and thoughts are saying, you know, I'm not really so happy about this puzzle piece thing, because basically you're saying that I'm, I'm a missing piece. And what I always thought it was, was that if we don't include you in the world, we are missing a piece, a valuable piece of what makes it all work. So I was kind of disappointed that they are not so keen on it because I've been looking at it all along, but the spectrum is a rainbow. So we've included the rainbow in some of our symbolism and logos and things, but our current logo does have a puzzle piece in it. And when we were in existence before, long before Autism Speaks, who uses a puzzle piece? So I like to say they copied off of us. (laughs) (laughs) And we we were cool before it was cool. 
So you started working in this field, you said 20 years, 21, 22 years ago when your son was diagnosed. Can you share a little bit about the journey? You already touched a little bit upon it, but how was it in that early days, 22 years ago? I get the internet was a different space. I guess a lot of also prejudice. I think it was totally a different environment. And how has it grown for you? And so interesting because you're right. People don't even know what it was like before the internet, before Google, before being able to look things up. At the time, my son, I have twins and my daughter does have learning differences, but she does not have autism. She would be neurodiverse as well. She has ADHD, OCD, anxiety, depression as a result of a lot of those issues, but she's also very gifted. I remember the two of them were being evaluated and they asked to test this IQ test that they had when they were studying my son when he was about two, two and a half. My daughter took the IQ test and she was blowing through the categories, just blowing through them. And they said, we just wanted a typical kid to use for this test. And it turned out, they said, she's in the genius level, you know that. And they said, but this is the thing, you should never tell her that because then she'll feel as though she has to live up to that. So now years later, my daughter looks at her learning differences and says, why didn't you tell me that I had this ability? Because maybe it would have given me some hope. And, and, and it can go both ways. But my son, they would evaluate him. And he was not able to complete an IQ test because the way that he thought about things was different than she thought about things. So they could ask him a question about something verbally, and he was not even aware of that. That didn't even enter into his world, maybe about tying his shoes. He didn't tie his shoes, so he didn't understand the question. Growing up with the two of them, my doctor, or their doctor, their pediatrician, I brought them in and had them evaluated, had their tests done at 18 months, and the doctor said, they're doing fine. I said, well, he's, he stopped talking, and he said, honey... I think you need to go get a part-time job. Your son is too attached to you. And I promptly smiled and pulled my hand out from when he patted me and said, goodbye. And we found a new pediatrician because of the fact that I knew something was up. Always, I tell parents, listen to your intuition. So I had my son's hearing tested because what I would do is I would clap or call his name and he did not respond. So when we had his hearing tested, I found out it was perfect. And they said, maybe you need to have him tested for a developmental issue. And he was a preemie. Both of them were preemies. And what ended up happening was they discovered autism. I was really disappointed because back then the doctors, it was a developmental pediatrician, did not use the word autism when they did the diagnosis. They used PDDNOS. And back then, Google would have been very helpful because I would have looked it up. I did not know it was under the umbrella of autism. So I remember they used to send therapists, occupational therapists and speech therapists to our house to work with my son once a week. They were not allowed to use the word autism, but they would teach us about this sensory integration, sensory processing. They would do brushing on his arms to get him used to things. They would use shaving cream on a mirror and have him touch it to, to get him used to sensory issues. They would play music and clap their hands and do different things with him. But 
no one ever used the word autism. So by the time we went back for our evaluation, he was having significant behaviors and tantruming, and I had no idea what was going on. And my daughter was not doing that. Well, the pediatrician had said, oh, he's just a boy. That's what boys do. When I took him to the developmental pediatrician, he said, it's autism. And I said, do me a favor. And the next parent who comes in with this diagnosis for their child, please tell them the A word. Do not leave it out. It's very important for us to process, grieve the child that we thought we were going to have and move on to work successfully with the next child. And I've told that story to other parents, to other therapists, to physicians, to let them know that we need the information in order to help our child as much as they do. So don't keep secrets from us. Uh, It's so important because as you go on, therapists that you choose need to have the right fit for your child to bring them out. And I know that I've been very blessed to have found people who have worked with my son, teachers who have changed his life. He has done horseback riding therapy, which has been wonderful. I remember the first time we went to horseback riding therapy, he was yelling and carrying on because you have to dress the horse. And I know nothing about horses, so you have to get the horse ready. And he was about six years old and did not speak much at all. What ended up happening was they put him on the horse. He was tantruming and carrying on. And he all of a sudden he sits up on the horse and stops, stops crying, stops carrying on. And he starts riding the horse. And the next thing you know, he starts singing, Oh, what a beautiful morning from the musical Oklahoma. And the therapist said, is he okay? And I said, is he okay? He does not speak. He does not sing. This is a miracle. (laughs) So from that moment on, I decided that we needed to find the things that worked. And that's what I teach parents to this day. You look for those, and you mention about gifts and being gifted. I have a behavioral specialist who has worked with my son for many years, and he says it's all about the gifts. And I would say that is true for everyone. Once you find the gifts, the things that you excel in, the things that bring you joy, focus on them because then everything else rises up. So my son had difficulty speaking. Look, we put him on a horse. He started speaking. He loves to swing on a swing. When he was swinging, we would get the alphabet out of him. It was just movement. Movement is so crucial to tying things together. And I think that anyone who is out there who, whatever age you're at, find what you love. And if you don't know what it is, do your breathing, deep breathing, do your gratitude in the morning, your deep breaths, sit there in silence and think about what you're grateful for in this life. And then write down seven things that you love, whatever they are, whether it's Nadia's podcast, (laughs) whether it's uh, going out for a walk, whether it's making pancakes, learning, whatever it is, whatever brings you joy, write it down. And then every day, pick at least one of those things. Because I know that finding the joy for my son has been so illuminating. Even this morning, I just said to him, what would you like to do today? Here are some things that we could do. And I mentioned some things that he loves. He was immediately motivated to say, I've got to go. I've got to go clean my room. 
because I want to earn it. So knowing that first we work and then we play, he is so excited by that. And he's 22 years old. I am motivated by things that bring me joy. So if I know that I can go for a walk on the beach, if I can go I do all of my, my things that I need to do, do my laundry, put things away. And then in the morning, I can get up and go watch a sunrise at the beach. I am going to do that because that, that brings me up. That adds the brightness to my life. So I, I hope that explains. And then that wasn't a nutshell. That was a very large watermelon full of information. <laughs> I learned so much because it's also a topic I'm really not familiar with. So I, I also learn as I go. And when I started this journey on giftedness and then learned about, you know, neurodiversity, twice exceptionality, it's all new. So I thought, well, instead of doing my own Google research in my own room quietly, I might as well invite people that know a little bit more, the expert or people that also live a life as a neurodivergent person. <laughs> so yeah, I really enjoy these conversations. So may I ask for you when you said, well, you learned about yourself a little bit that you also are neurodivergent and not neurotypical. Has that had a an impact on your own life? Because I think a lot of parents find out about their own neurodivergence through their children. And so then it's also an inner work for the parents, but that's usually not displayed in public because a lot of the people are advocates for the children. So I really want to highlight also the path of the parents or the adults. Absolutely. I think that if I look at the group of parents that I know, because they all might, even now, as my life goes on, the majority of people who are in my life might have a special needs child or adult. And they're all completely different, unique, wonderful individuals. And I can say the same about their parents. I can also, and I will not do this in a room and sit there and size them up, but I can look and I go, hmm, and now I get it. Hmm, now I get it. And I'm sure that people do the same about me because I can look at my life and looking back as a child, I'm more the creative side. I'm not the more, I used to think I was very analytical and I would reason things out. And I seem to have flipped to the other side as I got older. I don't know what happened, but I was a writer. I wrote about things. I created plays for the kids in the neighborhood. We would go through my closet and come up with costumes and make things up. I have an older or younger sister, a little bit younger. So I was always the one that came up with the ideas. She still probably thinks I'm very bossy. But when it came to the real world, and when you find out that you know, you're not in charge in the real world, I discovered that I was very shy. I was very quirky. I had a penchant for memorizing every television show I ever saw. I had the entire television schedule memorized. I could tell you what was on at any given time during the day or night. I remember a distinct memory that I think I stayed over my grandmother's house one night and came home the next day. And my parents said to me, and I always wondered, it sounded so strange. They said, we were watching the newlywed game and the dating game. 
And we correctly guessed the people who would win, like you. And I looked and I went, there's something wrong here. This is what I do. So apparently, I was very caught up in everything I did and wanted to learn so much about things that I absorbed them like a sponge. I I remember thinking there was a television character I wanted to be like. When she retired, that was my job, that that show would still be on the air and I would take her spot and continue. And she, it was a show called Bewitched. And it is still in rerun somewhere. Do you know it? I've yes. seen oh, a few me. episodes recently. Yes. Okay. So she was a witch and she could make things out of magic. She could make things happen. So she was magical. And her husband was an advertising executive. So he got to do jingles and campaigns for television on newspapers. The two people had those people are the two jobs that I wanted to have in my life when I grew up. So to this day, I promote my organization. I come up with the ads and the jingles and I love advertising. I went to school for public relations and advertising and writing. So I ended up doing that for a hospital and a casino in my lifetime. I worked for a newspaper. I was a reporter. I got to interview celebrities. I loved all of that. Now I look back and I was a hotel concierge. So I ended up know it all. So I got to tell everybody where to go and what to do. Perfect. And then as I got older and going through autism with my son, I learned that I needed my time. I needed to do self-care. So I do meditation. I do breathing. I am able to hear messages from my angels and I am able to manifest things that if my daughter asks me, where is such and such? I go, wait a minute. I think it's blankety blank. This is what, and she just looks at me and goes, okay, mom, <laughs> she's a little crazy. So what I love is that I get to do magic. I get to make magic happen and I get to promote things. So looking at, as I get older, my friends that I see now, we had our high school reunion not long ago. And my friends who have not seen me in 40 years, they said, are you a doctor? And I said, what? And they say, you were always so serious and you were always so smart and you always knew the answers to every question. And I studied in France for a year when I was in college and I loved languages. I loved French. I loved English. And I used to think, who do these people think I am? So every person I spoke to said, did you do this? Did you do that? And I'd sit there and I go, wow, I really had a lot of interest. So everybody sees me differently. So I don't think I showed my full true self to anyone. And my daughter tells me now that they call this masking. And I never understood the concept of masking up until recently, because I could, interviewing people, candidates for a job at the hospital, I was terrified at the idea of being in the room alone with one other person, what would I discuss? And I had to pretend that I was one of my best friends who was a great executive and she did the training and interviews and things like that. So I would say, okay, I'm so-and-so. So I would take on that role and perform like she would. And then that's how I got through. Eventually I got the confidence to be who I was. 
And it took a while, but I had to wear that mask for a while. And then I would do another job and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to be so-and-so. Now those people are part of me. And there were certain attributes that I had within me, but I had to believe that it's almost, and I used to explain this to people and they would just roll their eyes at me. And I said, it's almost as if I had several personalities and I had to bring out the ones that would fit the given situation so that I could survive. And I totally believe that. I have taken tests where I am right on the edge of Asperger syndrome, which is in the spectrum of autism. Well, I have dyslexia. So I do not read off of notes when I speak. I always speak off the top of my head, which is frightening to many people, (laughs) including me sometimes. But I do see in pictures, which is typical of someone on the autism spectrum. I met Dr. Temple Grandin, who is probably the most famous person who is successful with autism. She's a brilliant, brilliant mind along the lines of an Einstein in our world. We're very blessed to have her in this world. And she talked about how before she could form words, she saw everything in pictures and to this day does. And when I am talking to somebody, I am seeing pictures so that I know what I'm going to say next. So learning differences have changed the way that I look at the world. However, I see things in pictures, but I also hear music when I am doing things. The music will motivate me. So sometimes I wonder, is it because there's a song that I associate with things or am I hearing messages? You know, and you sit there and you go, we are very complicated beings, but we have to honor who we are and accept that for whatever it is, because people can give or take this conversation and say, that lady is crazy. Or (laughs) they could say, she's recognizing that she has differences and embracing them. So at this point, I will be 60 next month. I believe that I am more myself than I have ever been in my entire life. Wow. I'm so inspired to just, yeah, embracing all the different aspects and the masking and also holding back in certain situations where you know you're going to overwhelm the other person. Definitely. I know that I have overwhelmed people. And the only reason I know this is because I came out of the bedroom in my house and my brother and sister were talking to my father. And I heard them say, man, she talks a lot. She's draining. My family said that about me. So yikes. (laughs) A lot of people I speak to also that are not familiar with the whole topic of neurodiversity, that there is differences and that I think might be part of the group that are neurodivergent and not neurotypicals. For me, it was such an empowering experience. And it's not just that on the giftedness side, but also, for example, learning about ADHD and that it can be sort of a superpower in a sense if you embrace it and then, as you say, play to your strengths. So if you actually dare to look and dare to work with it and embracing it and learning about it. But I think a lot of people are also a little bit scared in the beginning to do those first steps. They're scared 
I'm not sure why they're scared losing their identity or being overwhelmed or thinking it is a handicap, I would say. But so far, the people I have spoken with that learned this about themselves and also learned it not only from childhood, but really also only in adulthood, that it really empowers them. Most definitely. I think that knowing that my son can be his best self, that my daughter is not afraid to be who she is, has given me strength because my husband is nothing like we are. (laughs) He is very cut and dried. He is ADHD. But if he heard me say that, he would say, no, I'm not. However, his ADHD is different than mine. He needs to do 18,000 things before he goes to bed. He is doing all of them at once, running around the house while he has the phone in his ear, listening maybe to a podcast while he's answering phone calls, while he's outside in the yard, fixing the garden, while he might be building a shed, while he might be doing laundry, while he is grabbing lunch, running through the room, then maybe bringing down laundry, constant. Oh, and then people driving by and waving at him and having conversations. In the meantime, if I said to him, did you pick up the bread at the store? Oh my gosh, I forgot. Because he does not believe in to-do lists. A to-do list is a blessing. I consider it a work of art because I like to write to-do lists as dump lists because everything that's in my brain is so heavy that I put it there and let it rest. I may only do one thing on that list but I have it resting there. There are four things that I really need to do today that would motivate me to say, you are a superstar. Look what you did. But I'll probably do one of them because I'm thinking I need to do something that makes me feel good about myself today. And what is it to me? Something bizarre like, okay, I am going to move that couch from the other side of the room to the side of the room because I like it where the light comes in. And my husband hates it when I move the furniture. But I read somewhere that people who move the furniture are more creative. And I was so impressed because it helps elevate your mood. And I thought, wow, so really I've been doing this to make myself feel better for so many years. Cleaning out a closet does not motivate me. But if I have lost something, I will get lost in the closet. And I had a situation where I could not find my iPad to save my life. My son borrowed it. We'll call it borrowing. And I could not find it. So I was really aggravated. And I sat down and I did a meditation and I asked and I said, okay, I'm in, in the quiet somewhere. Somebody tell me, where is this iPad? And I'm thinking, I'm going to get this magical answer from the universe. And I heard, clean the closet. And I was like, what? Clean the closet? What are you talking about? And I said, okay, I'll go clean the closet. I know I need to clean the closet. So I went and cleaned this closet. And I said, I know there's no iPad in there. There's coats, there's mittens and hats and things. I go in there and my husband has put all of the coats in there that did not fit on the hook on the floor. Underneath, and I start taking the coats out, there's a box of books. In the box of books, is an iPad. So I think that we who have this ADHD thing need to have time where we quiet our minds, whether it's listening to meditation music, 
whether it's going for a walk and not bringing the device with you, this world is so busy with stimulation. We need to turn it off because I know last night I was up till 2 a.m. and I was on my iPad. I was checking my phone. I was uploading a podcast. I was doing things that I could have done today. But no, my brain would not turn off. So I do think that you need to do a brain dump or read it into your voice messaging so that it's there for tomorrow and then let it go. If you have a question that you are looking to answer in your life, I love to do this one. Ask yourself the question before you go to sleep. What kind of a career should I try for? What would be the perfect house for me? Or whatever it is, go to sleep on it and your subconscious will come up with messages and answers for you. And so many times that has happened for me. I love dreaming because dreaming is where I find so many things. And I think those of us with cluttered brains, this is a great way to process sleeping. A great sleep for me is when I am in a huge old Victorian house with many, many rooms. And I have heard, and I'll go from room to room and different things are there. I've heard that that is the subconscious, that we are visiting the different parts of our brain. And I just love that concept because we all have this. And sometimes we visit the past, the present, the future. But at the same time, if you have a neurodiverse brain, if you have a typical brain, we need to clean it out. We have to do some spring cleaning so that we can move forward. And otherwise, we are doomed to revisit a lot of those things. So that's really so important. That's so funny that you say that because I found the Marie Kondo method and it changed my life. And it because by tidying your space, you tidy also your mind. You have to really focus. So true. So true. And then now I I actually found it before, but I'm now diving deeper with the book, The Bullet Journal Method. Have you heard of The Bullet Journal Method? I just heard about this. Fascinating. Oh, yeah. And he has ADHD as well. Carol Ryder, the author. I will have to look this one up for sure now. Yeah, I'll send you the link. I'm really, everything you say, I'm sitting here nodding. So I can <laughs> totally relate. And I can also relate to your husband. And I probably made it a do list. Or when I go shopping, I make like a shopping list for groceries. If I want a meal plan. And even though I bring the list, I'll for sure forget the most important ingredient. <laughs> yes. Well, I love the analogy of the grocery store because my husband, and we do not shop together very often, but he gets excited and wants to go and buy certain things. So when we go, this is our approach. And we're both ADHD, which is so amusing. And my daughter is too. When she goes, she says, mom, She'll go with him and she'll say, mom, I can't go with him ever again. And I'll say, what happened? What happened? And I know exactly what she's going to say. Mom, I had the cart. I had the shopping list. We walk in the store. Now, naturally, you would go to the first thing that you see. Do I need anything here? Yes, no, check. Keep going. My husband walks into the grocery store, leaves the cart there, runs to the first thing he thinks of in his head, runs back to the cart runs to the next thing, runs, and I'm not kidding. And at the end, when we get in the car, oh, I forgot X, Y, or Z. And I laugh every single time 
because I say, wow, at least my brain is not a squirrel brain. It's definitely distracted, but it doesn't do that. Oh, we could probably talk for hours, but I really want to quickly highlight also what you offer to the world with you have a nonprofit, right? Faces? Yes. Faces Faces for Autism, just in a nutshell, is we educate and support families throughout the lifespan who are facing autism. So we are addressing the entire family. It's not just the person who has been diagnosed. And I think I've kind of touched on that anyway, but siblings are often neglected or maybe feel neglected. So we address them. We address girls because girls are very often not even diagnosed until they are teenagers, which is kind of frightening because their issues may not be noticed. So we have information about that. We have a group that meets locally, but now because of the way the world is right now, we have a lot of things online. So we have virtual meetings, we have workshops and things on our website. Our website is faces, the number four autism.org. We also, as a result of a program that I just went through with social media marketing, I looked at the fact that we are not addressing self-care with parents. Parents are looking at how to help their child through adulthood, but they are not looking at their personal health and well-being. So self-care is key. And that is something I'm learning and preaching to the choir because of the fact that I have experienced this myself. So what, what I decided to do is start a new page called Life on the Bright Side. And all of the information is on Faces for Autism. But Life on the Bright Side is about finding your fun, finding your joy. It's for caregivers in general. But what I've discovered is we have 366 members of our private group right now. And the majority of them do not have a special needs child. They just want to come and they need self-care too. We all need self-care. We all need to learn how to do that in a better way. And I think the past year has taught us with the pause how important it is to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. And that's not all self-care. Self-care is a piece of it and caregiving is another piece of it. But we need to be part of this world and successfully doing that by taking care of our families. And you also have a podcast, don't you? Yes. Now, isn't it fitting that the two of us love to talk? So we have podcasts. The last thing on earth I thought I would be doing is a podcast. So on a dare for Autism Awareness and Acceptance Month, I decided to do 30 days in a row, which we are nearing the end of. We're on day 23 now of 30 podcasts talking about I have at least 100 autism awareness t-shirts. So with each t-shirt, I talk about whatever the message is on the t-shirt and then we have a guest or I talk about something that happened in our day regarding autism acceptance. So what I have done during that is I have laughed with people. I have cried about having a bad day. I have ranted. I have come up with so many crazy things that I never thought I would do. And I'm sure Nadia that you understand this having done this for a while that you say things that you never thought you would say, and people hear them. It's kind of frightening. <laughs> it is, it is. And I had this one person tell me that she feels I'm so courageous for just speaking so honestly on the podcast. But I feel like if I do this, I'm going to do this authentically. Otherwise, there's no need for a fake podcast. 
And also because I'm sitting here in my bedroom and it feels very cozy. And now we're having a conversation, just you and me. And I don't feel the world is listening, but then I put it out there. And I think that that's the power of podcasting because you can have such an intimate conversation and then people can really listen in on it. And I think it's very powerful. So true. And I think it's almost as though we have the conversations that we might have if we did not have the world the way it is right now that we miss so desperately. I know that I miss, I was just sitting here thinking about who are my friends now? And they're the people who may check in on me, or are they the people that I talk to on Zoom? <laughs> you know, what, what's that all about? Because there is no distinction in the energy. The energy field is still there. We still are connected. And I may, may never see you in person, but at the same time, we have developed that connection, which is a beautiful thing. And I think people have to understand this is not fake. This is real stuff. And Life on the Bright Side is about that as well. I do have someone I am interviewing today who experiences autism in a different way and helps other people, may not talk about their autism, but helps people in a positive way way by changing the world and shining a light on things. And that's basically what we're doing. And I love the fact that you are seriously shining a light on the neurodiverse options that we have in the world. There are so many possibilities. And I don't think people realize that there are things in your house to this day that you are using that were probably created by somebody with neurodivergent abilities. And they are amazing gifts. We have Einstein, we have the Yu-Gi-Oh cards, the man that invented them, the games were all invented by somebody on the autism spectrum. Looking at Edison, there are so many people out there. Oh, the cattle shoots that take cattle off to slaughter were invented by somebody with autism. Mm. The things that we do every day, we touch people and they touch us in a positive way. And we have to remember that, that it's different, but not less. Mm. So true. We've been talking already an hour. Time is just flying what? by. <laughs> but oh if, my goodness. If, I would like to ask you one last question if you have time. Is there anything sure. you wish people knew or anything you wish you knew earlier, something you would like to share? I just think that my whole life, I always thought I was different and nobody understood but I think that that is also what made me do the things that I do now and have accomplished in my life because I said, why not? Let's give it a try. Okay, let me go live in France and learn French. And okay, let me go work in a casino. Okay, let me go work for a newspaper and interview people, even though I'm terrified to talk to human beings. <laughs> what I think it taught me is compassion for individuals who are different. And what I decided is that everybody has a part of them where they think they are not enough, where they think that they are special and they are. So it's our job as individuals meeting people to find that light in them, find that individuality. And if we are blessed enough, they may peek behind that curtain and show us who they are. And that is a true gift that we give to one another. So I think that that has been my ability. And maybe that's why I became a newspaper reporter so that I could find that in other people. And you are on this investigative trail yourself. So 
it's beautiful. You are finding yourself in other people. And that is a blessing. Beautiful. Thank you. I have nothing to add. This is just so beautiful. <laughs> this conversation. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. I love talking and I'm really not good at writing, especially making, how do you say, spelling mistakes. So I don't know if I have dyslexia, but spelling was always an issue for me. So I would never be a blogger. But, <laughs> and I'm sure if you go on my website, there's lots of spelling mistakes, but I learned to embrace them. And I think people understand what I'm trying to say. And that's why I yes. do a podcast. And the fact that you are multilingual. And doing this is just so incredible in this world because there are so many people who are lazy and do not even try. The effort that you have, let's look at it this way, the writing, people might think of it as blemishes, but with the podcast, I don't believe in taking out all of the mistakes. I leave them in there because who wants to look at something perfect? I love, I actually like finding mistakes. That's one of my things. I like to look at typos. I have a friend, she does the same thing. We're like, oh, look, I found a typo, yay. <laughs> so I know who to contact if I need something proof. <laughs> there you go. Oh my goodness, she would go crazy. She would be so excited because she should have been a proofreader. And I do have friends who are proofreaders. And I sit there and I think, I would be one of those people who wrote a book and left mistakes in there on purpose for people to find. I never looked at it this way, but I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I think we have to wrap up. We've been talking for a whole hour and it's been wonderful. So I just want to say thank you again. And I'm very inspired and I hope we keep in touch. Yes, thank you so much, Nadia, for having me on. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and I just wanted to re-emphasize that there is not just one typical gifted story, there's not one typical ADHD story, there's not one typical autism story. So it's a very personal blend and as Isabel was saying, kind of like a soup and that you've been served with characteristics and also your personality on top so that every family, every individual is very unique and has its own story. And what I've learned is that currently more and more people living with autism are speaking up and saying, we want to be heard. We want to have our own voice. Even the ones that do not speak want to be heard and have a voice And they don't want to be represented of people that do not know what they're talking about, basically. So that's also why I'm inviting people that can share their own experience and that are living with autism and that can share their own story and that it's not portrayed by somebody else. And I think we all know the movie Rain Man, for example, But then again, there's such a shift in Hollywood, as you might have heard, this year's Academy Awards went to Anthony Hopkins, and Anthony Hopkins is the first person to win such an award openly stating that he's living with autism. So I think this is an incredible shift, and we have still a long way to go creating awareness about the topic of neurodivergence and neurodiversity. And so that's why I'm here and I hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, 
the best way to support this show is by liking it, subscribing to it, and then write a review on Apple Podcasts. That's really how you can help and support because it creates momentum to the algorithm so that other people will be shown this show and that they can also discover it. And if you think you know somebody who could profit from this show or an episode specifically, please share And I'm also curious to hear your feedback. So please go on to the website unleashmonday.com and you can then leave me a comment. You can connect with me or you can write me an email at hello at unleashmonday.com. And I'm really curious to hear what you're thinking. If you have any ideas, inspirations, please, please, please reach out. I'm really happy to hear from you. And I'm creating this for you. So Please, please, please let me know what you think. I'm really happy to receive all of your emails and your feedback. And with that said, I'm wishing you a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and I see you in two weeks. Bye.